0: Hey, this is Sam Smucker, and you're listening to the Smash Up Derby. Um, it's a podcast on working class politics. I'm Sam Smucker. I'm one of your co-hosts.
1: And hey, this is Jonathan Kazan, your other co-host.
0: And we, uh, I am speaking to you from St. Louis, Missouri, where my apartment is completely filled with boxes as I move yet again to another house, <laughs> to uh, another location. Um, so I won't go into the details of all that, but... Uh, uh, suffice to say, um, th- our recording studio is unique today because it's uh, the sound. You can,
1: you can hear the terroir in the sound of the boxes. <laughs>
0: that's right. I don't know what terroir is. Wait, what's terroir?
1: <laughs> it's some fr- French word that like local food has. That w- so it's like it's like you're listening to a local war podcast.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, I'm, <laughs> uh, that's great. I'm, I'm I love it. Um, what, you, what you may hear is the, the sound of um, bubble wrap being popped by my cat along the way here today. So, uh, so today we thought, what is so today is actually July fourth. Happy birthday, birthday America! And um, we're on the verge, or the, the Senate in the United States is on the verge of uh, maybe passing or not passing uh, some sort of health care bill uh, to. Uh, get rid of or undo or defund or do something to our healthcare system. No, none of it good. Right. Right. So basically they're on the verge of, of really screwing stuff up. Um, so we thought we would just have a, we do an episode on how and why the things happen. Yeah. Things have come to pass.
1: So, yeah, so uh, I thought we'd uh, talk a little bit first about, like, so how we came to have a health insurance industry in the first place in the U.S., because we're really the only country in the entire world that has a a real health insurance industry, right, where that's that's a major source of profit. Right, right. for capital um and you know and that's not uh and i think you know one of the things like insurance as actually i mean the concept of insurance right is about as old as money and sort of modern insurance companies as a as a form of 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 capitalist profit making are about as old as capitalism itself right there were insurance companies in like the 1600s in london when Sort of modern capitalism was really starting, but
0: what would, uh, they, what would they have
1: insured? They would have they insured. They, they insured stuff basically, right? Mm. And so like
0: products, like things. Products, that, okay.
1: Right. It really like the actually the Great Fire of London um, was that's sort of you got fire insurance out of that, right? Okay. Um, and the idea is you pay a little bit of money every month to to some business, and then that business makes profit because they they have a reasonable you know it's it's there's there's a certain value that you're insuring your stuff for right and so there's a certain like there's so there's a there's a whole business model right that involves actuarial stuff with risk and 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 probabilities and so forth um, but that business model uh, uh, making profits out of that business model is really really hard with healthcare mm-hmm. because right the healthcare like 10% of the people use 90% of the of the costs and the costs are you know potentially the cost right of keeping someone on life support for decades right there's not in 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 the model of insurance as a capitalist business there's a there's a there's a cap right you're insuring your car and and it's the best the most you're going to get is a new car and um and so the sort of the problem really with health insurance is how do you get healthy people to pay into the pool mm-hmm. and the and there's and so there's not really there, there was never really a development of health insurance as a capitalist business until really the mid-20th century in, in the U.S., and that was really because of the trade union movement and because of the organization of of basic industry, right, of auto and steel, where now all of a sudden you had, you had two things. One is you had a, like a defined large group of people and then you also had the power to make the employer pay for it. Right.
0: So by having by by the unions negotiating for health insurance required it basically brought in a whole bunch of people who wouldn't have had in access to insurance exactly into the marketplace but that marketplace was going to be a private insurance market. So it forced the employers who weren't going to go out and create uh, a government-run system, right? They were going to go out right, and buy right. private insurance. It forced them to do that,
1: right? And and it's, it's very different than you know. I mean, like England, right? Is sort of where capitalism originated. You would think if any and if any uh, capitalist innovation would have happened, it would have happened in England. And what you actually had in England was the development at around the same time of a national health care system based on uh, sort of community health uh, that had been uh, originated by miners in Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through through the trade unions but in in the US what we ended up getting um was uh you know essentially like the UAW organized you know however many hundreds of thousands of auto workers and united them across the different companies and so you could you could actually this actually suddenly became uh attractive uh as as a as an investment as a profit making area mm-hmm new insurance companies because the big 3 the, the the union could compel them to buy health insurance for everyone and so individual healthy auto workers aren't aren't paying out of pocket right the, the, the employers buying it for them right. it's being negotiated through an institution that is already sort of dedicated to a, a, sort of a concept of solidarity and it's huge and it's huge enough people that it makes the actuarial stuff work out right if you have hundreds of thousands of people then the 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 risk pool is is spread out amongst enough people that it becomes
0: profitable so and, you're, you know, you're bringing enough you're bringing enough low risk people into it that you're covering the high you know the when yeah. somebody really does get sick there's enough low risk people in right. it to cover and for it and that's that's one of the things about health insurance that's sort of one of the things that makes it different
1: economically than like fire insurance or auto insurance is that you just need a much larger group of people um, to to make it sort of work out.
0: Why is that? Why is that? Because, I mean, you would think with fire insurance, it only affects... Um, you know, if you well, I guess not everybody has fire insurance, so but l- like, l- let's take auto insurance, right? Right, so you're going to get in an auto, so one out of whatever, uh, 10,000 people are going to get in an auto accident and need right. to replace their car. Right, and
1: and you know, so you sort of know what those things are, and then you so basically you charge people. So if one out of a ten thousand people is going to get into a, or one out of a let say one out of a thousand people is going to get into a car wreck every month, then and total the car, then you take the cost of a new car, right? You divide right. it by a thousand, and you charge everyone that amount.
0: Right, right? plus. And plus in our in our country, plus twenty five percent profit. And
1: right, 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 exactly. But it's it's predictable, right? Right. Whereas if you're just if you're insuring ten the health of ten thousand people, it's very easy for like a handful of people to have healthcare costs that are through the roof. Right, right, like well beyond the cost of just a car. And then and so if your company is in the business of just insuring a thousand people, th- you can go bankrupt, right? Of if, if like a couple extra people. Uh, You're not just out the, you know, the extra cost of a new car and you can raise the rates to to compensate for it. Um, It's just a much more volatile economics. Right. right. And so you need larger groups of people, which was able to happen in when there were these large employers that were unionized um, in the mid 20th century. So that's sort of that's really where the modern American insurance company market came from.
0: It's essentially socialization of risk, right? Right. It's socialization of risk for profit. For and and, and, and your is what it is, right? Right. For profit. So in other words, when you look at the national health system in Britain, which is not a profit for profit system, right. I mean that's just the socialization of risk, right? Right, There's exactly. No profit there.
1: Across across the entire population.
0: And we just have the socialization we the, the point is is that we don't let anything happen here unless somebody can make a make twenty percent profit off of it. So um, right you know, so uh the most charitable, the you know, sort of the most basic thing. It's like well, you got to have a police system, but you know, only if, only if these, uh, you know, some company can sell them armaments, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, but anyway, so okay, so that that's really, so that's a great introduction to where we got n- now, and you can see in in the move towards Obamacare, the the basic principle of. Well, how, how Obamacare wanted to deal with that system. Part of the reason that we have the system at all is that the unions forced, um, or forced or brought people into the into the market and, right. in a way that they didn't have free choice, really. Right? You you right. you you got a job with General Motors, and you're going to be in the system, right? Right. So you're and, gonna get and and
1: that and that became just the standard, right, for middle class life. Like I, 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 IBM, right? Right. Never unionized. Right, cause they were sort of like created in the 50s and 60s and, um, and you know, sort of like high tech and whatever. But the, the expectation for IBM, right, this is like the classic corporate structure in many ways, is that they buy everyone health insurance, um, even though they're not unionized. But that was sort of the expectation. And really, the problem that Obamacare was designed to solve was the fact that this system started breaking down in the 80s when with deunionization and with the sort of uh, uh, breaking apart of the larger corporate stru- corporate employment structures, right, contracting right. out, and so the insurance companies are having a harder time making a profit because they don't have, you know, the the UAW forcing empl- forcing the auto companies to all pay into to pay into it for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of workers, right. right? Because the auto companies are busting the unions and they're and they're spinning off the parts companies and and, and then each of these little parts companies is is trying to buy shittier and shittier insurance because they don't they don't want to pay for it if they can't if they can avoid it. Once you sort of start uh, you know individualizing the market that way individual healthy people are like going to be like, eh. and, and you're also like overall driving down wages. Right. Right. And,
0: so people awesome. can't afford it. Right.
1: And so, you know, you may want health insurance, but if it's, you know, if it's hundreds of dollars a month and, and that means makes the difference between paying, making rent or not.
0: And you're 27 years old and you, the chances you're going to get really sick are reasonably low. Right. Right, so people
1: are making these rational decisions as as individuals, right, um, and the and it's affecting the insurance company profits. And so essentially, the, that's uh, as well as people are like, you know, getting sick and, and and so forth, and and going bankrupt from medical costs when they do get sick. Um, and so that's the problem, basically, that Obamacare was designed to solve, and that was a deal between the government and the insurance companies, where the government said we're going to pump all this money. We're going to force everyone to buy your product and we're going to subsidize it for people who can't afford it. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things that Obamacare did do, right. That's sort of like one of the good things is they, they, they cut off the, like the really shitty plans right? Mm-hmm. that, you, that, that insurance companies were trying to, to basically sell to sell cheap plans to healthy people that didn't actually cover you if you got sick.
0: Mm-hmm. Right right and i remember the you know in when when i was younger i would occasionally buy these plans if i was between jobs for you know 70 dollars a month or something like that you would you right. would you know you, it would it wouldn't cover anything unless you were in some catastrophic illness and then you know it would cover one of you know 1 million dollars you know of your of your healthcare bills right right um and, and I remember be, buying those a couple of times, but even then you would your parents feel better. You can what, tell
1: your parents, Hey, I've got insurance. I'm an adult now.
0: That's right. That's right. And, and, some, well, and somehow it made me feel better that I had it. Although I always had the, I would always assumed that if I really did get sick, they would never have paid like they would have fought, you know, every step of the way. Right, right, and, right, exactly. But anyway, it's still, it still made me feel somehow like a little more secure that I had some kind of insurance. But So, in in Obamacare, essentially, what they did is they used the, you know, ultimately they used the auto insurance model, right? Right. Compel people to buy insurance. This is the alternative to having their employers do it automatically, and um, and then that pushes people into the pool, and it, and you know, right. And And props up the
1: profits of the insurance
0: company. And props up, yeah. So and that and you know and and it it worked to some extent, right? it put another twenty million people sort of entered the insurance market in that sense I mean twenty people, I guess there were about forty million people not insured, and now about twenty million of those went into the insur you know got insurance because of it, right. and twenty million didn't um, uh, so it had some some effect um, it expanded greatly the funds that went uh into you know, to the, the subsidies. So right. it set a standard that the federal government was going to pay for even more people's insurance beyond people who are, you know, in Medicare or Medicaid um, eligible. Do you, want, do, do you want to explain the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? Because that's one that always trips yeah. people up.
1: So, so it's, the, the way to remember this is that we care for old people, but we give aid to the poor.
0: Lovely. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. So old, Medicare goes to people sixty-five and older. Is that right? Right.
1: And Medicare is essentially a single payer system for for retired people.
0: Right. And and Medicaid is for people on disability. Is that correct? And people who so, are yeah. So Medicaid
1: and I, I don't actually didn't know exactly how because I think some of this got changed a bit by by uh, by the ACA. Um, but Medicaid is uh, is basically if you are it's a way it's it provides healthcare for really poor people, um, right. people on disability, people who are essentially unemployed. Um, and actually one of the things, and I don't know if this has changed uh, again with the ACA, but for a long time, one of the, uh, one of the biggest recipients of Medicaid was in fact um, sort of middle, kind of like lower middle class people who were retired and in long-term care and no longer had any uh, assets.
0: Why would that be? Wouldn't they be on Medicare?
1: Well, they because Medicaid would pay for nursing home care and Medicare wouldn't. Oh, I see. I see. Um, and this is this is actually one of the things that like Newt Gingrich ran into when he tried to tried to tried to attack Medicaid in the in the in the mid '90s um, because you would think right, uh, oh, this is one of those things that only benefits poor people. It's the Republicans want to go after it. It's very easy, but it turned out that actually a lot of middle class people, their parents. Um, were in nursing homes and it was being paid for by Medicaid and mm-hmm. they were, and, and so sort of, uh, you know, Republican, uh, Republican leaning voters, uh, did not want to have to pay for their, uh, for their parents, uh, nursing home. <laughs> right. care,
0: Right. I mean that, that actually is a good, um, you know, it's a good segue because this is the things that Republicans run into every single time they try to cut these sort of, pro- these programs is right. that in fact a lot of people. Yeah, they help a lot of people. And and this is sort of where we're, where we're at right now in this uh, moment of paralysis with the Republicans controlling everything in the federal government and after having screamed about Obamacare for 6 or 7 years are just completely incapable of doing anything about it now. Even though nobody right. is is you know, inhibiting them. And right. I mean,
1: not, not only do they control all the branches of government, but they're the official like opposition is all obsessed with Russia. Right. So right. I mean, it's not like the opposition party was organizing opposition uh, to this healthcare rollback,
0: Right. Right. So, so Republicans are completely collapsing on their own weight, literally um, right. on this issue. And I think it has something deeper to do about Republican politics is that largely Republicans always have this legitimacy problem where their base really doesn't like their program. Right. And their base really doesn't know what their program is. And so they're always dancing this dance of, you know, our prime directive, the Republican prime directive, is to deliver more money to wealthy people. And we're going to do that on the votes of poor, largely white people, or not poor, but middle class and poor, you know, right. white people. And so, every time we try to do that, every time we try to transfer money to wealthy people, it turns out that the people who vote for us are the ones we're transferring from. And so, how do we do that? How can we make that happen? Well, the problem is, is that you know it's hard to do that, um, and that's what they're running into now: is they are about to take away programs that their own voters like and right. are their own voters are surprised to find out that Republicans are against these things.
1: Right. And, and this is, you know, arguably why they fought the ACA so hard in the first place. Right. Uh, right. Is they they realized that, sort you know, some of the saner people in the Republican Party realized that if this is passed, they will never ever be able to undo it and that it will, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, you know, essentially like FDR was very explicit about you know, putting in Social Security meant that the Democrats had a lock on power for a couple generations mm-hmm. because that was associated with them. Now, the modern Democratic Party has managed to be so incompetent that they actually lose elections around this policy that they, right. <laughs> they pass. Well they But it's still a problem for the Republicans.
0: But I think that also goes to, you know, it says something about Obamacare, too, that the policy itself is, I mean, look, Obamacare, or ACA, is not Social Security. And right. it's it's right. the limitedness of the ACA which makes it politically vulnerable. So Social right. Security is a universal program, just like Medicare, right? They're universal right. programs that cover everybody. Everybody's in in them. They are the most popular programs in the country, without a doubt. And
1: and they're intelligible, right? It's just right. like you pay for it, and then you get some stuff out of it, right? right. I, I remember. Uh, you know uh, a guy I know who works for for Bernie Sanders' Senate office, saying they were getting they were getting calls during the the early days of the Tea Party about I don't want the government messing with my Social Security.
0: Right. These right, being Tea Partiers giving making you, these tea calls. Parties, to tea parties. Right. Tea
1: Partiers telling them that they want government right. to, out of Social Security. Right. Right. Because Social Security actually works.
0: It's right. and it's efficient.
1: And so therefore, in their mind, not the government.
0: So, right, and this is, and I've run into these conversations, too, with people, with Republicans who are just absolutely, I remember when George Bush went to, um, you know, take apart uh, Medicare and do the plan A, plan B stuff, right right? right? right. And there are these Republicans that were just shocked. They couldn't believe that he was going to toy with this. and. You know, I can't. I'm. I'm shocked that they don't know, right? Like, how, I mean, right. you literally have to avoid reading a newspaper in order to, um, you know, to 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 not know this. That the Republicans' whole plan is to take these things apart. But you know, that really ha- goes to the heart of um, sort of the Republican dilemma right now. And. Um, you know, that being said, I my sense is that they're going to pass something and, and it's going to be terrible. And, you know, they're right. only they're only a few votes away from doing it. But so we, we can get more into that. But I, I, I want to talk more about the political. Of all re-
1: your senators, people, if this. That's right. Call your senators. Has, has I shouldn't
0: happened. I shouldn't I shouldn't be so um, pessimistic at this point. Right. Everybody call. I mean, we can probably still stop that from happening. Right. Um Although it may be all done, uh, maybe a done deal by the time this broadcast, podcast goes on the air. But it depends on how edit, how edit how quickly we can edit it. How quickly we can edit it, right? So, um, but I, I want to go back to the, vul- the political vulnerabilities of Obamacare because, uh, and the ACA because I, right. I think that this is really this is a key lesson for people on the left to, to make this argument that it's the universal nature of the programs which make them politically solid that you can't overturn them. And it's when you sort of cut around the majority, like the ACA does, the, um, that you get into trouble. So it's when you try to preserve, and because this is what ACA does, it tries to preserve the profit-based system at the same time that it delivers additional care to additional people. And that becomes incredibly expensive to do, but it doesn't deliver what it potentially could. Right. Um, it and also, I mean, no
1: one could fucking understand it. And it's, it's so complicated. That's why you have to have websites, and then the websites don't work. And right. you know, I mean, it's it's also sort of based on this premise. You know, the the this is like this ideology that that somehow shopping, competitive shopping, uh, is is the best way to 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 good
0: outcomes. Right? right. I mean, like no one wants to shop for insurance. Right. Right. It makes no sense, too. This is not a shoppable. Like these are not things you it's it's like. Yeah. I mean, they're just not it's not a shoppable thing. Right. In other words, I don't know what I'm going to get sick of sick from next right, year. Right. I do know what I'm going to get sick of, but I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to from next year. And so and so it's re, it's I, it's absurd to tr- attempt to shop for these things. Um, it doesn't make sense, right? Because right. it's all based on unknown risk. And so, right. yeah. And, so, you know, I
1: think the other, the other like, political myth that, uh, you know, that I think th- that Obama, right, and that sort of wing of the Democratic Party really bought into with this is this idea that... Uh, that you can't have universal programs because Americans hate the government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I've always found, it really, it could, poll after poll shows that, and you know, say, oh, we can't do single payer like Canada, right? Canadians actually hate their government more than Americans do. <laughs> Like they love, they, they love the healthcare system. Right. right? And they probably want the government to stay out of the, out of the single payer system. But, you know, they, they, I, I, you know, I sell, I I work in a box office. I sell tickets to people in the broader Vermont area. And sometimes we get, uh, you know, Canadians calling in to buy tickets because they want to come across the border to see John Mellencamp. And, uh, and why wouldn't they? I, well, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, and, and so we, and every time they're like, no, don't mail me the tickets. Don't mail me the tickets. Like they think they they hate their postal system. They don't believe that if you like, they don't believe that if you hand a piece of mail over to their postal system that it will they will ever see it. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not sort of uh, you know. I think so. I think that's that's a myth, right? That you can't have a single payer system or a universal system because right,
0: right. Some. This is this is sort of the knee jerk. Uh, this is like the knee jerk liberal um reaction inside the Demo- democratic party that oh we've got to stay away from big government programs we don't want to be hit- accused of being big government liberals right this is all it's all policy for on the defensive and yes. policy on the defensive is a loser from the get go right because right? you're
1: conceding the your opponent's
0: ideological you're, Right, you're letting them set the tone of debate, and then you're trying to dance around it. And every good opponent will make the, may, will set the assumptions of the debate so that it's impossible for you to win. So if right. you accept their their points of view, if you accept their assumptions that people hate the government, or uh, then you know you're just going to end up. Yeah, screwing um, up and this losing, is,
1: losing the most winnable presidential
0: election it, of all time. Of all time, exactly. You, you end up in that situation if that that kind of thing should ever occur. Right? Um,
1: I can't imagine. <laughs> where it seems
0: absurd, but um, but it, you could imagine it might happen. Uh, all right. So that you know, I think that, that that says a lot of how how we end up with Obamacare, right? Is that it's just this this dance, this twist and turn and an attempt to create something that both saves profits that prevent, pre, that saves their political legacies as not being big government liberals. Right. And then, um, you know, attempts to deliver something. So in in the end you create it, a gigantic complicated, inefficient um, uh, system that's so politically vulnerable that essentially you blow on it and it falls over. Right. So, right. It, and that's sort of where we're, where we're at um, with it now um, so the interesting thing though about this moment is that the, 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 with Obamacare with the ACA uh, that wing of the Democratic Party got its um, this is always the danger about being, of being able to implement your bad program <laughs> <It's> <laughs> right, right. once you implement it and it doesn't work what's next what do you do next right what's your p- policy position now and, um, and, and and let me say, like, so one thing we should just talk about is, yeah, Obamacare, I think, really, you know, the ACA. Well, we should talk about the term Obamacare, too. But, but the ACA really did deliver health care to a lot of people. And right. there's a lot of people who really appreciate it. It also created a, a certain burden for middle class or I should say for, for some working class people who needed to buy it it created a certain burden because the plans were ended up being expensive. Um, and because they were, again, they're trying to play with the market They're The government is paying for this stuff, but providing a a guaranteed profit to insurance companies and letting them exit the markets. If they weren't making what, what those insurance companies determined as, you know, significant enough profit. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, my personal story here, I was, I was in California when, when Covered California, which is the local version of the ACA, was implemented. And, of course, in California, they took the money, uh, the Medi- right, uh, Medicaid right. money. And so the—and oh, I, I happened to be unemployed for a couple of months. And I got free health care during those couple months because I had zero income during that time. And I just thought this is the best thing ever and i can imagine anybody else who got free healthcare for the first time ever right. in the united states of america free healthcare right at my age and you know and then i went to work at a at a small employer who didn't provide health care insurance right. uh they provided right. a subsidy for health care insurance but they didn't actually provide the insurance themselves and so that system worked out okay, because now there was the ACA, and you could go out and buy health care insurance, except that it turns out that it was pretty darn expensive. And even right. with the subsidy, it was pretty darn expensive. And, um, yeah, and so, it be, and you had to buy it you are compelled to buy it. Right. Right. No, no matter what, like I didn't, you didn't have a choice. Well, you, you know, you can pay the fine. Right. But it's not like car insurance in the sense that you can say, well, I'm, I'm going to ride my bike. I'm not going to have a car. Right. 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 right? If,
1: you, if you want to live,
0: if you, have to you, buy- you have to buy health insurance. Health uh, insurance. You have to Yeah. If you want to be, you know, well, you can pay the fine, right. You can pay, right. You can pay something and, and essentially get nothing or you pay triple that and you get health insurance. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, but I, I feel like I saw that, you know, if your income was low or low enough, it really paid off. Right. And as soon as your income got up high enough that you, you know, we you were working a, a not very a not a not a great paying job, then you um, it you really got screwed. So, you know, people making twenty five thousand dollars a year they probably were just in this sweet spot of boy, you weren't getting much in terms of the subsidies, and the health insurance was you know for an individual it was probably three hundred bucks a month, and you weren't making that much so right, right. <clears throat> so it was a bad um you know that that part of the system just didn't work, and of right. course the and, go ahead
1: oh, and then on top of that, you know it's sort of like the the you know the handful of people who. Uh, still had you know really good union negotiated insurance plans, right? These so first of all, like the became demonized as Cadillac plans, right? Right, like oh if you if you actually have a you know strong union and a decent job and, and right. insurance that will actually cover shit, then uh, the, oh you're 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 riding in a Cadillac, right? Um, and then and then part of the, the you know part of the. The ACA was that they were going to tax those plans and you know basically give an incentive to employers who had been doing the right thing and providing decent insurance for everyone to uh, to to do crappier plans.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. All, so in other words, all the victories that unions had won for decades and decades and probably had struck for and so forth right. were going to be you know undermined. Right. Um, and that
1: working class people were attached to right who benefited from it. Right. And, and now the Democratic policy is taking that away from them. Right.
0: So the ACA is not gone. And hopefully we can preserve what's there. Because, there, look, there are elements to it that are, are good, especially the expansion of uh, right. the funding. But um, the political vulnerability of it is not going to go away. And it's just going to be something that gets attacked and attacked and attacked into the future. Before the Republicans took over everything... It was a great, um, you know, first of all, they renamed it from the ACA to Obamacare because that would gin up, you know, uh, the, racism. the racism, right? Which is one of the, you know, again, we, we, let's go back to this idea. Republicans have this disconnect. Their, their platform is completely at odds with their base. Their base doesn't know what they stand for. Therefore, they have, they have a hard time. They have to find ways to mobilize their base on things other than their platform. Right. Right. And um, and so race is one of the ways they've always done it. You know, this has been, you know, back till, uh, well, at least over the last 50 years, that's really been the case. And so
1: they seized that issue from the Democrats.
0: They seized it from the Democrats. It's true. They seized it from the Democrats as the South went, um, you know, switched. And the trick with with calling it Obamacare was to say this is a program for black people. That was really the message. Right. In other words, white people are going to get screwed by this program. Black people, this money is, this program is all going to black people. This is your money going to African Americans. And that was the message. And that's what people, white working class people who are, you know, poor in the South, less educated. That's a lot of what they think is that that program goes, even though they themselves may have actually been on it and benefiting from it. Somehow Obamacare was sending money to the cities and to African-Americans. Right. And right. so it was a very astute kind of political calculation to call it Obamacare um, because it, it brought race, uh, which is what happened a lot in the, in, during Obama's administration, is that the Republicans figured out how to racialize everything. Right. 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 So, and, he, and they did it in this sort of subtle way, but they, right. but they tried to racialize everything. so.
1: Right, and and then and then the Democrats all started, all jumped on it too. Right, right. because and all attempt to like reclaim Obamacare because, you know, probably because of like the linguistic turn and whatever. Um,
0: well, and it's it's tough because look, there's half the country lo- really loves Obama, you right, know, right. and so why why should we be ashamed of calling it Obamacare? Sure, let's call it Obamacare. I mean, you know. So it, it means... But it's one of those th- words that is so coded that it means such different things to different people. Um, right. And, and, but and the Republicans were very successful at renaming that program so that it wouldn't have the, the, the sense of social security. Um, you know, right. that it wouldn't, right. wouldn't have that sort of level of prestige. Right. right. Um, exactly. And they were really successful at doing that. Right. Now think, it's on. It's, it's think, coming undone. Now is what it f- seems like. Right. In other words, people call it the ACA again. You know. Right. Well, and I think, but I think
1: that the, the actually the Repo- the Democrats' like embrace of the term also was revealing of of like the the political coalition they were trying to put together. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and the sort of the Clinton campaign, which was basically like, we don't give a shit about uh, about white people in the sticks. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're going to we're going to build a base amongst the sort of educated and wealthy white elites in in the cities and people of color.
0: Right. Right. A suburban one than the
1: popular vote. Right. I mean, it's right. not like an inherently bad strategy if your purpose is to win more votes than the other person. I just, right didn't work out terribly well this time.
0: <laughs> well, the other problem with that strategy though is that you basically back yourself into exactly the Republicans position, which is right. that you're going to mobilize working class, people of color, union members as well, white union members as well, right. black union members, you know, you're going to you're going to mobilize a section of the working class, but you're promising them nothing. Right. And so that, you know, that is going to put them in a difficult situation. And, um, uh, and it's going to be that same situation the Republicans are in, uh, right now, or, <laughs> right. you know,
1: you have a base and, but your actual policies, uh, don't, don't, so,
0: ben- don't benefit it. And that, and that's going to backfire. So in other words, if you, you know, and, and Clinton, you know, put herself in this with, uh, just stuff like the trade agreements, right? So you've got, you know, you're against, uh, you're for all these trade agreements. Well, your base is not for them, and you're going to lose your base. You're really vulnerable to losing your base, then, from somebody like Trump, who's going to come in and say, hey, well, I'll fight these trade agreements.
1: Right. right. Or or with, you know, like the predator, super predator laws and so forth, right? I mean, Clinton lost, to some degree, there was like a white working class base that she lost to Trump. And then, the, you know, working class people of color did not turn out in massive numbers either. Right. Election, right. Right. I mean, they didn't vote for Trump because... That would be right. stupid, but but you know that that uh, what a, you know like a certain higher percentage turnout in Milwaukee,
0: right? Right. Would, would have, have changed, changed the, the whole thing. So, um, but all of this creates this opening now because the Republicans are about to, you know, either duck and run or shoot themselves in the foot. Um. So they can't decide what to do. The Democrats have no and have nothing other than, you know, hold on to Obamacare, um, the, like, the the centrist sort of Democrats. Right. And what this has done is it's put single payer on the map all of a sudden in a way that it's never been in 40 years. Right. Um, which is ironic because in my mind, you would have thought you know when's the the moment you're going to get national health care in this country it's going to be at the peak moment where unions are powerful and can enforce this to you know can can bring this about and right. and, and who knows we're not even close to getting single payer here but right. it's interesting that the decline of the unions and that whole system that you described earlier actually has elevated the need for single payer and, and created a level of activity and popularity around it that has not existed.
1: Right. And there there was actually, there was a really interesting article uh, that I was reading like a week or two ago in dissent written by some grad student whose name I don't remember uh, about sort of the new working class. And one of the, one of the points that that he made, which is just as a labor history geek, I appreciated, um, was that you know the English working class, right? Sort of like the, in many ways, the classic most kind of militant class conscious working class, you know, really emerged initially not through formation of trade unions but through political activity, right? In the uh, you know in the like seventeen and eighteen and early eighteen hundred, and that's what really formed like a class consciousness in England and in many ways the growth of the, of the labor movement came out of that
0: it's an ir- irony of the U- of US history in in England the in, in Europe the labor organizations were advocate for the vote right they were advocate for a vote for for um, working people and that had not been given and the, the theory was from the left was that you know once working people got the vote well they'll just vote in. A government of the people, like right. it was a simple calculation, right? right, right. Give us uh-huh. the vote, and and it's a done deal. Right. And um, in the United States, what's interesting, of course, is that the vote was given to people before there was a working class, really, a, a you know a strong industrial kind of working right. class. So people already had that vote, and so the the politics never coalesced around you know agitation by the working class, um, right. It was born out of the revolution and so forth, and small farmers and that, that kind of thing. So um, anyway. Are, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, no, we'll
1: throw no. the link up on the website.
0: Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> all right. So we're in this situation where all of a sudden single payer is on the agenda, and we've got some states moving towards it. I know Vermont went down this road, so I want you to talk about Vermont uh, several years ago, passed single payer, and then did not implement it. Um, right. Right. And and so I know you know the history of that. Um, I don't, so let's
1: right tell us about so, it. So, so uh, in actually, this uh, started in 2008. Really, actually, even before Obama got elected, uh, an organization called the Vermont Worker Center, which I was uh, part of, and still am part of, uh, which is also for folks out in the rest of the in the rest of the country, is a is a Jobs with Justice chapter launched a campaign uh, we called the Health a Human Right Campaign. You know, I noticed this is also somewhat easier, given that we've been had Bernie Sanders in the Congress since, you know, 1990, and sort of going around talking about single-payer. Basically, in 2011, we won the passage of uh, a bill called Act 48. And Act 48 committed the state to implement a single-payer uh, program by 2017. And it sort of laid out how that would happen and various steps. And, and it actually sort of integrated with the ACA with Obamacare. That part of that agitation is was the reason why we have in Vermont probably one of the most progressive implementations of the ACA. We had a we had had a Republican governor when we launched the campaign. There was a sort of an enabling bill that he didn't he opted not to sign partly cuz he suffered a couple of veto overrides and uh, and then a new Democratic governor was elected in 2010 specifically on a platform of single payer over the next couple of years, uh, you know, there were sort of these various steps and, and commissions were created and so forth, that was was ultimately that there was sort of a counterattack by, by the right wing and by the business class, and particularly around the issue of how, how it was going to be paid for. Um, and the Democrats were ultimately not willing to stand up for, for making employers and the wealthy pay for it. They suffered some electoral defeats in 2014. The governor ne- almost didn't get elected. And he and then he just unilaterally sort of declared, like, we're not going to do this.
0: The funding mechanism in Vermont was 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 basically it was going to be taxes, right? It was going to be payroll taxes. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was. It was. There there were a variety of different things floating around. But basically, the idea was that it would be payroll taxes. And, you know, one of the complications this does produce, particularly in a small state like Vermont, like there are a lot of people who work in Vermont, but live in New Hampshire and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so, so there were some complications there, but, but basically that's stuff that, like, wonks can figure out. Right, right. Um, and, you know, one of the things that was actually – and since this is a show about working-class politics, I feel like this is a, an important point to bring up. You know, There were, there were a variety of different forces, right? So, so there was the Worker Center, which really, like, tried to mobilize a working-class base around this. And then there were also various sort of doctors and more professional folks who were sort of single-payer advocates, mm-hmm. um, uh, more just like...
0: From a healthcare point of view. A, a outcome, point outcome point of view.
1: Policy one point of view. Yeah. And they spent a lot of time saying, like you know, businesses should really be for this because they would actually save money. In,
0: right. right?
1: Um, and, and, and they did actually some important work in sort of like during the initial part of it, kind of neutralizing business opposition. But the thing that, that I think that they just never really understood and this, this really... Businesses who employ, who actually offer healthcare. care... Don't necessarily want the savings because uh, that that universal that single payer would provide, because then people aren't tied to their job as much, mm-hmm. right? It's an issue of workplace power. If you that that is like health insurance is the thing that most ties people to their job, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure you see this in right. your organizing mm-hmm. life, right? People are terrified. You know, you can always you can always like get some money somewhere, right? right? Go gigs, you know, do right. whatever. Um, but if your kid loses their health insurance, <laughs> right?
0: So it, dec- that, it decreases worker ability to move. It decreases mobility, it,
1: that, right? And and it ties people to their job. It makes them makes it easier to to speed speed up and make them work harder. And right. um, and so these really big employers who pay like like IBM at the time, who would have seen a significant. Savings, if they were just paying a payroll tax instead mm-hmm. of buying insurance on the market, were the most uh, sort of brutal opposition, right? Because they didn't want to lose that control over.
0: Them. I mean, this is a really good point because it is it is rarely from a union when, as a union organizer. It is rarely about money. It is always about power. Yes. Right now sometimes those things go together, and sometimes they don't, but so in other words, of course com- companies want to make money, but what they really need to do what they they know that their ability to obtain big profits comes from their power, not from you know some scheme. if you are able to be more mobile, you know this is right. what IBM's afraid of, oh it, you know, if they aren't dependent on us for healthcare, they can be more mobile. Uh, workers drive up their wages by moving, right. and that in itself probably, you know, somebody they probably had some IBM economists figure this out, right? They probably know what that looks like. How much are workers going to be able to drive their wages up by switching now? And right. uh, you know, so in the end, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's a maybe it's a a negative for them even financially, because, right. right? Because exactly. workers can push their wages up so high. Uh, by as a result, who knows? I don't know, but th- it's an interesting thing to think about. It's important from um, from a union point of view because taking health benefits off the the negotiating table is gigantic. It is the biggest, single biggest um, benefits cost that we bargain over. Right. And so if that's off the table, we can focus on wages. Right. We can work right. on pushing wages up. We can say you're making this amount of money. Put it into the wages. And their answer typically to that is, well, the health care insurance costs are going up so high, we can't right, give right. wage increases. And if you take that, that argument away and you take that reality away, um, all of a sudden negotiations become much easier.
1: Right, right. Because you can, then you can sort of see the, like, like uh, you know, my kid just started working at McDonald's this past week, okay. and you know, he doesn't get insurance or anything, um, but he was like, you know, they tell us, they actually tell us, like, that, you know, if you if you, what the cost of each burger is, It's like it's twenty cents, and then we sell it for a buck. It's like, where is that money going? Right, it's, it's pretty clear to him as a sixteen-year-old mm-hmm. working at McDonald's, right, right. with this twenty-cent hamburger that he's selling for a buck. Like, he's not making eighty cents off of that.
0: Right, right.
1: But, you know, once you sort of bring in health insurance, it's this big, like, obfuscation <laughs> and
0: mm-hmm. that's not- mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about, though, the costs of these programs, of these single-payer programs. because And we also need to talk about California, what's going on in California yeah. right now. But, um, you know, part of my understanding with Vermont and in general, I think this is the case in California as well, is that the cost estimate of implementing single-payer is about the size of the current budgets of those states, so, in other words, part of the issue around Vermont right. and part of the reason they were able to campaign against it is that, you know, the, the Vermont budget is, I don't remember I don't know how big it is. A couple billion. A couple, couple billion dollars. And the and the healthcare system was going to be also a couple billion dollars. Right. And so what single-payer, what people do is they, uh, you know, what the right does and what the companies do is they say this is a doubling of the budget, Right. 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 without without you know mentioning that the fact that all this money is already more you know even more money than this is already being spent on health care um, right it's just and not coming directly from the government but it's right. all
1: and and actually I think in Vermont it's about a third of it about a third of the health care is actually um, purchased by uh, by government entities
0: uh-huh so, it so it is, the so universities and the and the fire and departments and, and, and school districts and, and
1: ounce right exactly um i think i think it's about a third of the cost um is already being paid for by taxes this is just different taxes
0: and once again you're that's your tax dollars you're you're buying health insurance and 20 percent of those costs going straight into private shareholder stock right in other words they're going into you know private profits for companies yachts and Um, stuff yachts exactly that no there, there was a really good tweet out on uh uh, Twitter this last week, right, where you know, I can't remember exactly, do you remember it? It's something like, you're not buying health insurance, you're buying yachts. Right, right. right. Um, but I think that this is a vulnerability of, of implementing these systems, is that you've when politically you've got to set these systems up as, A, something separate from the budget of the government, right? right. It's, it's a separate fund. And so the healthcare funds need to be set up as separate, and they need to be promoted politically that way as well. As, as something different than the state budget, as independent right. entities, um, and, r- and run also, by the state, but
1: and also like I mean I think there's there's a need for like like a broader like ideological struggle against this idea that everything the government does is bad, you know, and, and against right. sort of this idea of austerity. Like this is this is I think one of the real vulnerabilities of the kind of. Single payer as healthcare policy wonk approach, you know. A lot of times people say, "Well, single payer is the most fiscally conservative solution." Right, right, right. And and that's you know that may endear you or you like try think you're going to endear yourself to you know I don't know some some white guy in a suit somewhere. But the reality is like fiscal conservatism is like is brutal to like the most of the base that you could potentially mobilize. Right for
0: healthcare, I think I think it's you know you. It's using the term security, making sure people understand that this is about health security, and this is about. I think Medicare for All is the best, you know, phrase that has come into use in the last several years. Yeah, because people really do understand what that means. Right, um, right. Um, But I, but I also think that the size of the of these budgets for the healthcare programs, you know, whether it's nationally or in the state of California, where I believe the cost estimates were around $400 billion is what, right. what these entities would be um, in charge of, it's important because there's something about Republicans and about sort of middle class people that react to simply the size of things. And I saw this. I saw this on uh, years ago. I was on. That's why. That's
1: why they voted for a guy with tiny hands, right?
0: That's exactly. That's what it is. It's. It's. Uh, that's a certain kind of fiscal conservatism.
1: Um, I'm generally against uh, any like body shaming of Trump.
0: Right. Could, you couldn't resist on that one. Well, that's good. We'll this. Will, we'll do a whole body shaming episode uh, of Trump. No, I'm just joking. That's terrible. Um, so we'll. Um, I saw this so years ago I was on, the, on a county board. I was elected to a county board. And I saw it among the Republicans on the board that there was just this instinctive reaction to the idea of money. Like that, that there was something about the spending of money that they were deeply um, resistant to. And it was like the case at a personal level, but also at a political level. So they were just people who were tight fisted. And, and, and there's, yeah. I think there's a big chunk of Americans who are like this, right? A big, you know, there's a, there's a sort of a swath of people who have a deeply held sense of, you know, the way I've preserved, the way I have been able to provide for my family is by not spending money. Right. And, and, and so one of the things, one of the strategies of the Companies against single payer is just to bandy out the amount of money that's involved in it because it freaks people out that there's so much money involved in it, and um, and so it's just something I've noticed and something I just wanted to point out, and it's part of because they don't even say that the money is going to be used inefficiently because they know it's not true, right? Right. They simply just say the that's, number. That's ever stopped them. <laughs> right. Right. But. It, Right. And it, it's just the money in general. It's the right. number in general, and and it's very effective. Just saying four hundred billion dollars that will right there, you know, shut down the discussion for a whole bunch of people. So there's got to be another way to frame it. I don't know what it is, but and there's people out there who are way smarter than me on these sort of things on on how to deliver a political message. But it's definitely something that re- people react to. So four hundred billion dollar healthcare plan for California. It's now been shut down, apparently. It's been sent back to a committee. Uh, right. It passed out of the Senate a couple weeks ago. Uh, this was a sort of framework, sim- probably somewhat similar to the Vermont situation, but it was a kind of a framework to get to single-payer. Right. And then the uh, head of the Senate, I think, is, is it the president of the Senate? I don't know. His name's Re- Rendon, is that right? Sent, yeah. Sent it back uh, to committee, basically, the feeling to is to, to kill it. And one thing that's going on here is, um, I think part of what's going on is he comes from the group, the sort of center, the, the sort of center Democrats who are hoping that Obamacare can um, weather this storm. Right. So that's part of it: is that they're they're trying to preserve this this world where you know these private insurance companies, you know, he he by the way of course says he's for single payer right up front. In right. Right. his press release, he says, I'm for single payer, but not right now. But not right now. There's too much turmoil in, in D.C. and so forth and so forth. And so this is just, you know, this is like the, the total liberal instinct to run and hide at the moment of battle, right? Um, okay. that, that if we just keep our heads down, maybe we'll get away with it. Uh, and, of course, that's completely – all you have to do is read The Art of War, and you know that's like, the <laughs> most ridiculous <laughs> – we should totally do
1: an episode on the art of
0: war. Uh, yeah, I should read it first, actually. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we should. We should. Maybe we'll read it. We'll have a book. We'll have one of our episodes will be a book club on the art of war. But uh, every, but my understanding is sort of everything I learned as a union organizer come from the art of war. I've just never read the original text. Right. I'm right, more right. so.
1: You're like <laughs> Affleck. What's that? You're like a Catholic. You don't need to read it.
0: That's the, right. I don't need to read the original text. I understand that's where it comes from. Um, we're all Confucius, Confucius at some level. Um, anyway, so um, his initial reaction to to this move by this guy was, um, and we should get his full name here so that we're fully saying it. I, um, so maybe you can I don't know if you have your computer in front of you, but you can yeah. Google him. I'll do it. Let me
1: use one of these magical little mini computers. Yeah,
0: tell tell us who what's going on. Because every time I Google his name on uh quickly, I get Anthony Redden from the um from the Washington Nationals. I think he's a uh a baseball <laughs> player. So um but anyway, so we're um
1: Yes, it is Anthony Rendon. Rendon.
0: Yeah, from the Washington Nationals.
1: No, no, the American politician who's the Speaker of the California State Assembly.
0: Oh, okay. Well, good. That's why we keep getting him confused with the, the Anthony <laughs> Redden. Right. Yeah, the, they have the same name, right? So uh, the initial reaction from people was, oh, this guy takes a whole bunch of money from the hospital industry. You know, he's clearly on the take, right? right? Well, if you go and look at how much money he's gotten from the hospital industry, you know, yeah, he's getting some. But it doesn't strike me as... For a guy who says he's for single payer and, you know, it doesn't really strike me as the thing that's making this happen. Maybe, maybe. But um, but it didn't strike me as being so much money that he's worried about losing an election um, because he's not going to have this money in in the next round. He's he's, by the way, from a kind of south south of downtown L.A. uh, district. That's probably, you know, that's 100 percent solid Democrat. So it would be hard for him to lose. lose. And he's not going to lose unless he's got a really strong primary. But he's this is not the you know, this is not the Twitter army area. Right. This guy. (laughs) like This is not where he's coming from. But um, it's it's partly uh, if I remember right, it's partly in Compton, but it goes out and and gets some sort of wealthier. Uh, Southwest L.A. suburbs. And so anyway, um, so so but the the latest theory I've seen, which makes a lot more sense to me, is that this is this is really the Clinton wing of the party saying we um, we are not we are going to stop the Sanders charge, the Sanders mobilization here. Right. So in other words, we cannot let the people who just about took over the party. And, of course, who won the majority of the delegates and all of that. Right, right. Uh, win single payer in California. Because if they do that, their prestige will be out of control. And we will right. lose control of the party. Right. So I think that there's a de- That makes a lot more sense to me than Kaiser gave me $5,000. Right, right. And now I'm doing yeah. their bidding. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I, mean, I think it's actually like a, uh, a problem. Um, you know, I think one of the things there's a, There's a tendency right on, the, on on a lot of the American left to sort of assume that that the sort of Clintonites and whatever that they' that they're like sellouts, right right. And there, I, and I don't I think that's actually wrong. I think uh, that they they in fact are deeply committed to a particular view of politics. Right. Um, right. Sort of like woke liberalism or, or kind of like neoliberalism with a human face or whatever you want to call it. Right. I mean, I think they're they're it's actually it's not, you know, a lot of sort of left stuff will sort of treat it as like they're just sort of like selling out to the right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's actually a mistake. I think this like whole third way Clinton, Blair, Obama stuff is actually like a really uh, Macaron mac, or whatever his name is in France. Mm hmm. I think they're actually like really deeply committed to combating the batshit craziness of the right wing and, uh, and making their liberal friends really rich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, The party of Google.
0: Right. I mean, this is, it's the Ted talk world, right? It's the, it's right. Right. They're, they're really obsessed with innovation ideas about, You know, uh, well, it ultimately goes back to this idea that the and this is straight out of the first Clinton, which, you know, there's a rising tide and it should raise all boats. And how do we get that to happen as opposed to we're playing a net sum game and either we win or they win. Right. Right. So they have this. But the the, the sort of Clinton Blair, you know, world has this idea that. There's, there's just a, one team. There's just one team and we just have to make sure that it's all going it's getting getting to everybody. Everybody's got a got some skin in the game, right? So right. in some ways it's it's really it's really a different version of trickle down economics, but it's right. um Anyway, but it it comes with this whole sort of idea of innovation and education and and as a result, you know, it's transformed the Democratic Party or at least their vision of the Democratic Party to a party that's really based in the suburbs, university towns, and then, you know, uh, ethnic minorities and the urban poor and that sort of thing, uh, who they, I think, just consider a captive, Uh, you know, they know they're not going anywhere else, Right. right, exactly. So, and they and they would
1: like to, they would probably like to see poverty more evenly distributed. Like they, I think they actually have a genuine desire to see poverty more evenly distributed by race.
0: Right. Well, I think that they they want they want to see equality. Right. So they yeah. want they want to see the numbers, the mortality numbers and the um, income numbers go up. And the way that they their vision of this happening is through education. So people go to college. They get, they finish school. They finish high school. They go to college, and then they're able to obtain uh, better jobs, and uh, that's the way that's the way you're going to create income income equality is that giving people access to these systems. Now the problem with that is, uh, first of all, not everybody is going to go to college. Uh, not, right. not only can you not afford it, right, it's impossible to afford, but people just don't have, you know, they're, look, there are people who build things and that's what they want to do. <laughs> right, right. And that's their life. That's, you know, that's just who they are. And they don't want to go to college. They want to go to trade school. And so if you can't ha- have a program for them and how it is that they're going to make it and, and, you know, have income security and, you know, not spend all of their time trying to create the next app. Um, but right, rather, right. you know, fix cars or um, build buildings, then you, you know, you got to have a plan for them too. And the Democratic plan for those folks has been well, we're going to make sure your union can do that for you. At the same time that all the un- that they've done nothing, they've not lifted a finger to help unions grow and expand. And right. in fact, have just watched yeah, them.
1: I'm not even dis- sure that they believe that, they, that they'll the union will do that. I mean, I actually think that like the center swing of the Democratic Party is actually committed to a meritocracy where they think that there are some people who will just be working at Starbucks.
0: Well, no, I think that that's right, but I think that they think they, they have no responsibility for working people. They take no responsibility yeah. for working people, and they, I think ultimately that's part of the coalition is, you know, we're not going to bust your union, so I, I, thank you. you. You know, you're welcome. Right. right. Um, so, well, anyway,
1: we'll fight for fifteen.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. But what there is no program for for the Democrats is and is a program for um, working class wage increases. Right. right. So the Republicans right. have a program for working class wage increases. They're called tax cuts, but Democrats right. don't have one. Right. Uh, they have fight for 15, which is, you know, raise the minimum or they don't even have fight for 15. Right. But they have some they, call, moderate, they have a raise the minimum wage kind of thing. But raising in some some, say,
1: Right. I mean, like, and, right, you fight for 15 in California where, like, to be honest, like most people are already making 15 bucks an hour.
0: Right. Right. But but here in Missouri, I mean, uh, well, look, the, the point is, is the Democrats are all for pushing up the minimum wage for the most part. Therefore, doing that, right? Um, But that—that's meaningless for people making twice the minimum wage, but still not able to afford a house. Right, right, right. So if you make fifteen bucks an hour in Missouri, you're making twice the minimum wage. Um, But fifteen bucks an hour is, you know, yeah, it's it's all right, but it's it's not middle class. You're solidly working class, right? Can you afford? There's and they have no program for those folks. Right. Right. So there's no, right. like, we're, we're demanding 10% wage increases for all, you know, private employers right. uh, in the next, or, you know.
1: Right. Or penalties for, for job destruction.
0: Exactly. So anything that would maintain or increase uh, jobs, you know, good paying jobs or, or deliver wage increases, they just don't have a program for it. And so that's why they've lost a huge chunk of that, those group of workers, because they simply right. aren't even trying.
1: Right. And that's why they've lost the jobs issue since like my entire life. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So let's go back to let's let's go back to healthcare here as we (laughs) as we wrap this up, Um, because I think so I talked about size mattering. I think it does matter. I think Republicans are instinctively and and a huge swath of of Americans are instinctively bothered by the size. And I think people who are going to be, uh, you know, who are are advocating for single payer need to figure out how to talk about that in a way, in a way that makes it clear that it's going to be worth it um, and it's going to be well managed and so forth. I guess, you know, the other question I have is, what if you could could you get a group of states to go in on a single payer system? So in other words, if you got California and Washington and Oregon and, and, and right. uh, maybe Oregon and um, And New York and Vermont and, you know, Connecticut, a bunch of states, I guess Delaware and Maryland are thinking about it, you know, and you created a a sort of semi-single-payer buy-in system. You know, maybe that's um, part of it as a way to begin to precipitate a new civil war in the United States.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But our side will have doctors.
0: Right. Our side will have the doctors. Um, They won't be... Uh, but anyway, so I don't know. Anyway, that's a thought is to I guess you have to right. pass it at least the state level. But right.
1: But Which can, is essentially, I mean, that's how it happened in Canada. Right. It started at a province level mm. and it's still administered by the provinces. You know, it's it's na- nationally mandated. But my understanding is each each province actually has its own health care system. Mm-hmm. And they're you know, they're interoperable. Right. If you're in Saskatchewan, you can get care in, uh, in Ontario see. and vice versa. But, but they're
0: managed at the state levels.
1: They are they are managed. At or the province, the provincial province,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I believe I'm not. Don't quote me on that.
0: But. Well, so single payer though is is. I guess this is where where I wanted to go is that single payer is on the move. It, it is it is ascendant in the Democratic Party. Um, yes. So and it has it has a um, level of support that has not been the case in pre, you know previously, and it's very high. Right. The level of support for Medicare for all is, I don't know what, it's 60 percent or something nationally at this point.
1: you right. 82 percent of Democrats, I think.
0: Yeah. And and, and something like 40 percent of Republicans, 35. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah exactly. So, no, very,
0: no, it's so it's very high. It's this swath of, you know, it's this swath of working class Republicans who are, you know, who are like Social Security. They like Medicare. Uh, so anyway, there, there there's the political base, the political support for it. Uh, potentially right now and uh, so it's interesting if if it can move forward um, beyond this you know and it, and it probably does play a lot into the sort of Bernie wing of the party versus everybody else and I think it's interesting that Elizabeth Warren has come out really solidly for it in the last couple of weeks too has said that you know and part of that is her responding to her base right, um, right. and understanding who I think it, she, I think she does want to run for president someday, and she knows that she she better line up with the progressive wing of the party. And the progressive right. the wing of the party is now rock solid on this, and that's never been the case. Right,
1: right. Before. There's no way you're going to, like, you can't pull off a Howard Dean, like, run from the left inside the party without single-payer.
0: Without single-payer. As, you, as, as your issue. Right. And so... That um, you know, so that is realigning the left part of the party this uh, around that, and that I think is a good a good sign. With the Clintonites, I mean, in general, they're on the defensive in, in everywhere, and that's why I think they've saddled they put this thing aside uh, in California right. because yeah. they don't want another victory, uh, or they don't want to have to deal with you know a big victory uh, from the sort of the Bernie side of the aisle,
1: right? Um, right. And, Especially and, after they lost that special election in Georgia, right? That was that was going right. to be the like proof of proof of concept that
0: right that they could continue to run they, on these the same platform and and win and win. Um, so all of this plays into I think you know I think where the, the parties are and where uh, it plays into where you know what's going on in in D.C. My own feeling is that uh, just having read a little bit about. The couple of senators, the couple of Republican senators that are blocking this thing right now, that that ultimately what they're going to do, what they're trying to do is figure out how do we steal from uh, the cities and give to the rural areas? And and (laughs) that that's the solution. That's going to be what they're going to call the compromise. The compromise will be we're going to take from blue states and give to red states. And here's how we're going to do it.
1: Right. And and, and and the fact that we're taking it from blue states will will appease the right wing of the party. Right. Because they be like, eh, government's doing something, but it's government's, you know, screwing people of color. Right.
0: As long as we're screwing, you know, the cities and people of color, that's OK. And um, it, it doesn't matter how big the program is. And the um, and the people like Susan Collins and Murkowski, the ones the sort of more moderate wing of the party, you know, as long as they're seeing the money, the Medicaid money continue to flow into their states, it, that's all they really care about, right? And so, so that my my sense is that's the that's the compromise that the Republicans have in mind. You know, there's still an opportunity to push this back, and there's going to be these these really this big. Uh, Set of uh, sit-ins in offices around the country in the next couple of days, and so we'll see what kind of how how effective those are.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Um, great. Any other thoughts, Jonathan? No, I think that's. Uh, we have de- that's depleted good. ourselves of all of our healthcare knowledge. It's just we've downloaded <laughs> everything we can into you this podcast. It, dear. <laughs> that's right. There's literally nothing left. Great. Well, you've been listening to the Smash Up Derby.
1: Uh, hit us up on Twitter at SmashUpPodcast or uh, SmashUpPodcast dot com.